I ever seen. Merry Christmas. You have, if you've had, if not had enough caffeine, please go out, get some. We have water, we have coffee. I just want to tell you that we are glad that you're here this morning. We're going to wrap up a sermon series that I've been looking at as far as unexpected. Uh, we looked at unexpected messages, unexpected people. Uh, this morning we're looking at unexpected king is born. So let me get you all in the, in the holiday spirit. We're going to do some things that are a little bit different this week. We're going to, I'm going to preach first, then we're going to have face down. That's what we call our Lord's Supper or communion. And then we're going to have our worship songs at the very end. We're going to, see some can, or we're going to sing some, uh, some carols. And if you don't have one of these lights, you need to raise your hand. We can get you one. Uh, otherwise, they're in the back basket. Okay, Zach, can you go get some? There's a couple people right here. Um, so we're going we're gonna to do some candlelight stuff later. Um, you know, they don't burn. They're not hot. Okay, I can be trusted with this candle, so uh, that's good. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad that you're here. Uh, you are getting ready to celebrate in three days. Okay, first of all, let's cover this base. We're going to take our Touch Someone's Life gift uh, offering this morning where we ask our people from Connection to give change and dollars and nickels and dimes call Connection Home. This is not, this is not for you. This is not for your offering. Um, but if we've, we've done this over the last uh, six or seven years. We've been able to give uh, over quite a bit of money away. Um, it's not about the amount, but it's about what we're doing for God's kingdom with people. So if you have people that are going to take that offering, uh, if you guys want to come forward, I don't know where, yeah, they are. there they come. So if you have your nickels and dimes and stuff, if you're from Connection, we just, we're just asking you to do that right now. And then I'm going to talk about something a little bit, a little bit more serious. At Connection, we believe that this, this, this offering has been used to reach a lot of people. Um, so this is what we're doing. If you currently, right now, this offering is God's money. If right now you say, Matt, you know what? I could, I need like ten or fifteen, maybe twenty bucks uh, for a bill that I have coming due. Now, what this doesn't instill is this: you do not need the ten-pound Reese's peanut butter cup at Walmart. Okay. You don't need that, but if you really seriously need, have a need for some money, we want you to go back to our kitchen, and we want you to talk to our lead team people that are counting the money, and you t- please take what you need, because that's God. We don't want you to miss out on, on a blessing this morning um, because of that money that's been given. Um, also, I'm going to give away those bags of money at the end of the service. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. If you know somebody that is in need of some, uh, a donation of some money, okay, um, it's Totally without a hook. There is no, there is no attachments or anything into this. If you, if you know of someone that could use this gift, um, at the end of the service, I'm going to give these bags away, and I'm going to give you this piece of paper. Um, it has alligator cuts on it. You know, like with those alligator scissors? I couldn't find any other ones, so you get alligator cut. <laughs> you get alligator cut. So uh, I'm, going to give these, I'm going to give these away at the end of the service, but if you know someone... You're going to have to, you have to be quick, okay, at the end of the service, but the first couple that I see, I'm going to give you this, you're going to give that money away, you're going to email me, um, and it's not about raising awareness for connection, it's all about showing people the love of Christ, uh, and that's it, like, that is all. We're not interested in getting any recognition for this. Um, so, uh, this morning, before we get started, I just want to pray for us, it's a, it's a big day, uh, big day at Connection, big day across the, across the whole world as we celebrate the birth of Jesus on Wednesday. Uh, let, let's, uh, let's, let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much. God, we just ask right now that you would uh, um, just fill this place and, our, and your people with the Holy Spirit. God, that we would hear you, that you would quicken our worship, that you, God, you would, you would teach us something, maybe out of Scripture today, that we have never known, but God, even if we've heard the Christmas story 50 or 60 times, God, that we may learn something new today that we can apply to our life to become more like you. Um, 
God, we love you, and we're so thankful uh, for what we get to do uh, in this country um, and worship you. In your name we pray. Amen. I was asked earlier by one of our younger people if I, ha- I have a barbed wire right here, and they said, Pastor Matt, did you get a cool barbed wire tattoo on your, on your wrist? And I said, actually, no, it's a bracelet. And then I like, suddenly went from like really cool to nothing. The kid goes, oh, I didn't know it was a bracelet. <laughs> okay, so anyway, uh, if, you, if you see me with this on, it says, it says one with them. This is an Open Door USA uh, bracelet. What it means is we stand for the people um, in, our, in, in, in the world that it's illegal to worship Christ. So we worship God with them, with our freedom. But this morning we're going to be challenged by that. This is, a, this is a really cool scene. There's been many movies made about this. There's been, um, there's been different stories that have been told. Different, different countries have different stories. Different religions have different stories. Um, but I just wanted to say Merry Christmas. And I hope that you understand how, how blessed we are. And I know that you're sitting there going, well, man, I don't have $1,000 in the, my bank account. Okay. Well, I don't, have, I, don't have, I don't have this, and I don't have this, and I don't have this. You understand if you have running water in your house, you are more wealthy than 75% of the world's population. There's some statistics that are, will blow your mind. Uh, if you own one vehicle, one, own one vehicle, you're in the top 5% wealthiest human beings on the face of the planet Earth. We have a lot to be thankful for. We are very blessed uh, we celebrate this morning on Wednesday. How many people? Okay, my people, ready? <clears throat> we have three shopping days left till Christmas. <clears throat> How many people are like, I'm ahead of this game. My Christmas presents have already been bought. Everything. Raise your hand. All right, there's the people uh-huh, that I'm not like. Okay, and <laughs> how many people say, I just need a few things. I just need, I, need, I just need a few things. Okay, now where are my people at? How many people haven't started? No, just me. All right, there we go. One hundred percent men. That's not good. <laughs> hey, we we celebrated. We. I'm sorry. That's right. Yeah. This. Yeah. 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 It's it's like a it's like a game. It's like a game trying to find a parking space. Yeah. Um, we are going to be in Luke chapter two this morning. I want to I show you some things about, about the book of Luke because whenever you hear about the Christmas story, oftentimes, it's not the only place it's recorded, but oftentimes the, the, the speaker, the preacher, the pastor, whatever, he's, he takes you to Luke chapter 2, and I want to share with you why I think that's why it is. That's why we're going there today. Luke, uh, Luke the, the book of Luke was written about 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus, okay? So Luke was a little bit removed from the resurrection of Jesus, but it was still close enough that he could go back and he could interview the people that were really there. Okay, he could interview the shepherds, he could interview Mary. Um, at the time that Luke was finished, it said that, that Joseph, uh, Mary's husband, was probably deceased at that time. Okay, so, but he, anybody, anybody, we're going to talk about our friends now, not ourselves. Don't elbow your mate, don't text your mate, don't say, hey, you need to listen online to Pastor Matt, he's talking about you. No, I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing that. In, does anybody understand, does anybody like to have things that are like in really, really nice, neat order? Yeah? Okay. Yeah, anybody don't care. <laughs> okay, now, <clears throat> Luke, and my, let's talk about my dad. My dad, um, my dad has OCD tendencies, okay, I don't know if he's ever been to the doctor for it, okay, but my dad has CDO. He puts the letters in alphabetical order like they should be. 
come on. Yeah, obviously, there's not many people in here with it. Anyway, my, my dad loves to have everything completely arranged, like, just awesome. He, he, was, he was a meat cutter, a butcher, and he was, he was assistant manager in a, in a grocery store. So he likes things to look, like, just awesomely perfect. If you go currently right now into his garage and you open a, 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 the refrigerator and there, there's waters, there's some protein shakes, and there's usually some uh, different stuff for, the, like, snacks when we go in and out of their pool. Now, this is what I'll tell you. You open up the door on the top left-hand side, I can tell you right now. It goes strawberry, vanilla, then chocolate. Not joking. All these are protein shakes that he drinks. He had, he had stomach surgery, so uh, he lost a lot of weight, so he has, he has his protein things up there. And then him and my mom are water snobs. Are there anybody else water snobs? Okay. They like Dasani, okay? Right or wrong, they like Dasani. But if you look down there, they are in single file rows of four. All of the labels are turned the same way. Okay? Sometimes I get nervous if I open the refrigerator. I'm like, oh. Now, I say all that to say this. Luke, when he, the gospel writer Luke, his job, he was a physician. He was a doctor. Now, why is that important? It's very important. Okay, in the first few verses of chapter 1 in Luke, we see that Luke writes to this man named Theophilus, and he uses these words. Ready? I'm writing this so that you may know. He's writing all these occurrences of Jesus' life so that, so that Theophilus and other people, us today, can know. Um, yes, there was a room, a, a, a place that had lodging that didn't have any room. Uh, yes, Jesus was laid in a manger. Yes, there's shepherds that came. Yes, the... Can you imagine asking one of these shepherds what it was like when an angel came? It would be unbelievable. But, but we look into Luke's account because he was so, so detail-specific that he wouldn't have missed anything. But he's also so close to the life of Jesus, if he would have said anything wrong, there would have been people that could prove him wrong. So we, don't see, we, don't see, we just don't see that. Um, first of all, I want to I get his take on this. Okay? He's a physician. He's a doctor. He understands that other than the science that we know now, you have to be intimate with another person to have a kid. What do you think he said to Mary? Who knows? Uh, how is this possible? I understand how this is with. You know, I, I understand how you become with child. I understand all the process. But I don't, I don't get it. But he was able to trust it would have been intriguing, to say the least, for, to listen to that conversation. But if you look with me, look at, ver, look at chapter 2 of Luke. It's going to be on the screen. If you have your Bible, um, or you can get on your phone and check it out. Now, a lot of these things that we're going to look at today, I, I, some of you say, Well, Matt, this is the 80th time in a row that I've heard Luke 2. Fine. Deal. You know what the cool thing is about God's Word? It's living, breathing, and, it's, and, and it, it teaches us. You can read it 85 times, and it will tell you and teach you something different. Or a slant. There's, I hope there's something in here today that you can take and understand that the accuracy of this book is incredible. There are, there are far too many coincidences in here to just be explained away. He timestamps it on the very, first, the very first verse of chapter 2. Look there with me. It says, At that time the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. The most powerful empire in the world at the time is Rome. Period. It's Rome. So the Romans were not followers of Jesus for the majority of them. Uh, Augustus was not. So at this time, the emperor, okay, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. God uses in Scripture a person that doesn't follow him to accomplish what he's wanting to accomplish. 
You can't, you can't get away from this because Jesus is foretold or prophesied to be born in Bethlehem. The only way that happens is if Joseph goes to his hometown, his ancient hometown of, his, of, his, of the guy in his family tree, King David. It's the only way that he goes there. So God knows the prophecy, obviously. So he says, in verse 2, it says, This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Now, if you're looking, if you have a new baby in the family, and you're looking for a really cool name, Quirinius would be neat. I think it would be seventh grade before you learn how to spell that probably. But listen, he time stamps this. You can take the Bible and move it aside, look at secular history in the Roman Empire, and that makes sense. It gives you a time stamp. When something is time stamped and it's referred to in secular history and recorded in the Bible, and it's of, of antiquity, it means it's thousands of years old, it is taken by people that are much smarter than me that is gospel truth. It happened. Okay? This is, this is very, very real. He gives us a time stamp. So in verse 3, he goes on. It says, All return to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. Okay, so verse 4, because Joseph was a descendant of King David, um, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. Okay, cool. So we see a whole bunch of things here, all returned to their ancestral home. Joseph was a descendant of King David. The other prophecy was that the Messiah was going to come out of the line of David. If you ever read Matthew chapter 1, it's called the begat chapter, okay, because it starts off in... Everybody has kids, and everybody has kids, and it's the lineage, okay? But if you look very, very closely in the lineage of Jesus, you see something really cool. You see Jesus. You see Joseph. You also see people like King David. You also see people like Isaac and Abraham. You also see people like Rahab. Chapter 1 of Matthew, Rahab is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Well, who's Rahab? Google it, okay? She was a prostitute. I'm just going to get that out there. She helped the spies when they came to Jericho to hide. And because of that, she was following what God, the, the, the spies, and she was trusting them. And they took care of that. In fact, so much that she's included in the lineage of the Savior of the world. Meaning this. When I, when I see this and when I look in the scripture, I think, Rahab. <laughs> you should be brutally honest here, okay? I don't care where you've been, but here's the deal. If God can use a prostitute, he can probably use me. And if God can use anybody like me, he can absolutely 100% use somebody like you. No question. Absolutely yes. The fact of the matter is this. God doesn't need us to do anything. That's very hard for us to think because we think, we almost think really uppity of ourselves, don't we? Hey, I mean you walk into like somebody's birthday party, hey. I'm here. And I joke with my wife. I joke, I joke, I joke. I'll come up to her and I say, hey, I'm here. What are your other two wishes? I do that with, like, outside of arm's length. And Mary's 5'10". She has really long arms. So I kind of, like, kind of do this over here. But the problem is we have some type of, some type of arrogance in our mind. Um, probably comes from our social culture here in this country. But it comes like that we're, we're like, we're important. Listen, we are very valuable, we are very important because God sent his son, Jesus, to die, even if it was just for us, he sent him. But the fact of the matter is, without God, we're absolutely nothing. And I know you're saying, well, Matt, let's go to the, let's go to the angels and the, and the sheep and the donkeys and, 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 you know, 
did you, did you hear the girl saying uh, that the, the wise men brought him diapers and wipes and, and, and shoes and Jordans? <laughs> I don't think so. Anyway, so Joseph was the descendant of King David. He had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. If you, ladies, have ever been pregnant or with child, ready? Here's the deal. Just regular, just regular every day. Like you're walking around if you've never been pregnant. Now watch this. It's 70 miles, 7-0. It's almost from here to St. Louis without the interstate on rocky, hilly terrain. 70 miles on the back of a donkey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. The only thing that goes through my head is what kind of conversations did those two have on the way to Bethlehem? (laughs) If it's anything like my marriage, it would be like this. Matt, I'm going to kill you. I took my wife to the hospital in a Dodge Charger and, that she used to have, and I took my wife to the hospital in a full-size pickup truck. Not a donkey. Not riding 70 miles. Yeah, 70 miles. You met, some of you are like, nope, just drop me off here. <laughs> I'll have him without you. You go. Now, the problem is, he didn't have to take Mary. Mary... Listen, ladies, I don't, I don't mean this. And if you look at the Gospels closely, you will see Jesus put all kinds of worth into women that was not there pre-him coming to earth. He gave women worth. But in this time, Mary's, Mary's attendance at the census doesn't even matter. She doesn't have to go. But look at verse 5. He took her with him. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. Ladies and gentlemen, Mary is not just pregnant. She's full term. Now, there's a difference. I've just noticed this, and I, Mary has been, um, we've had, we have two girls, and we, ha- we, had a, we had a miscarriage early in our, in our marriage. So she's been pregnant three times. So uh, I can tell you with, with Lydia and Emma that there is a vast difference between being pregnant week nine as week 30. It's not the same. Nothing is the same. Mary here is, and not only that, she's under the age of 16. She's a young girl. She's expecting a child. She's at full term. So they were engaged, but I often ask myself this question. Why did Mary go with him? She didn't have to. But could it be that she went with him, literally, this is just my speculation and thinking. Could it be that she went with him just to avoid all of the stuff that was being said about her? People were not calling her nice things. Okay, I'm just gonna just gonna poll you. Say that you're now friends. You're now friends with Mary. Okay, other than the science that we know today. Okay, you do not have to be intimate with another human being to be pregnant. That's all I'm saying about that. Okay, you don't you don't have to do that. But in this day, without the science that we know today, you have somebody come up to you <laughs> and say. So my, my, girlfriend are, my girlfriend is pregnant, but we haven't done anything. Somebody has done something with someone. It's the way that works, right? Okay, here, can you imagine her, can you imagine the times that she went home in tears, crying, bawling, that no one would believe her? When, when, when Gabriel asked her, or told her that she was going to become pregnant with the Son of God. 
When Mary said, I am God's servant, she gave in to a lot of stuff. She gave in. She literally gave up her life. Okay, She was going to be mocked and ridiculed, all kinds of different things. So, and, so she probably went with him, in my speculation, she went with him just to get away from everybody. Listen, the bigger that she got, the farther along with the baby, the more the stuff, you know. Listen, hey Mary, about due any day, right? She kept, her belly keep, kept getting bigger. She's at full term. In verse 6, it says this, And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. Can you imagine the journey, the conversations that took place? Joseph, what do you think, what do you think he's going to look like? These conversations aren't any different than what you and I, if, you've had, if you have children. They're not any different. Except hers was kind of, you know, going to save the world. The loneliness that they felt. You imagine going to work. Joseph goes to work. Mary's pregnant. He tries to... He, he tries to explain that they haven't been together. This probably was a welcome break. Look at verse 7. So, so the time came for the baby to be born. So she gave birth. This gives us a lot of insight on Mary. If you take notes, here you go. She, verse 7. She gave birth to her firstborn son. Jesus was the firstborn son. Means if you have a firstborn son, you have other sons. So Mary had other children. Okay? If, if he wasn't the only son, he would be... It would just be called, she, she gave birth to her son. Firstborn is a big thing so, to show us that whenever Luke talked to her, he, she, he found out that she had other kids. Now, at this time, not much is mentioned about Joseph. So Joseph is probably, probably passed on by this time. Now, if you underline words, we're going to go back to something that I really, really hope that you get. Um, she, the, Luke goes on, he says, she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth. And laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them in the end. Or in the end. Now listen. Bethlehem and Jerusalem are kind of side by side. On my map, I looked, it was, they're about this far apart. <laughs> they're pretty close. So what they would do is this. In Bethlehem, Bethlehem the shepherds, these shepherds that they're ready to talk about had fantastic jobs. They were not easy jobs, but they got paid well for them. Because I'll show you why. The shepherds outside of Bethlehem, the sheep around Bethlehem are a certain breed of sheep. And they, and they actually, actually produce a lot of unblemished lambs. Lambs that, are, that, lambs that are born without blemish or spot or anything could be sold to the temple in Jerusalem for sacrifices. Okay? Jesus is just born. Okay? So we don't, we, we're still in sacrificial mode here. We still have the, the lamb sacrifice. So this is what they would do. The lamb would be born and... It would be unblemished, all white, really cool, not, not multicolored, uh, not one leg longer than the other one. And I'm not, I'm not joking about that. Like, that, that lamb would not be acceptable in the temple, okay? So they would take these lambs and they would bind their, their legs up, both of them. Then they would kind of fold them together. And then they would wrap all the way up to the back part of the ear on the, on the lamb. And they would keep it with strips of cloth around it. It could still eat, it could still drink. But they would do that so it would not get dirty. This is very important. In verse 7, when it says she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, the same strips of cloth that she wrapped Jesus in were the ones that the shepherds wrapped the lambs in. So the lowercase lamb, L, lamb, gets wrapped in strips of cloth. The uppercase L, lamb of God, is laying in a manger 
in this scene, and he's wrapped in death clothes. When people would be traveling, then they would carry they would carry these strips of cloth. And obviously there was no embalming agents or anything like that like we have today. And if somebody would die, they, they would actually wear it around their waist many, many times so they could, they could have enough. And they would wrap bodies in it. This was death clothes. This was absolutely on purpose. This is to show the world yet another way that he was the ultimate sacrifice. We'll study about that in just a second. Verse 8. Uh, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding the flocks of sheep. Okay. You know, these guys hanging out. Outside of Bethlehem, doing their jobs. What we're getting ready to hear next is, is, is exact like interview material from Luke talking to these guys. Okay? So they're out in the middle of the dark. Now, my wife doesn't like this. I don't know if your li- wife or husband or significant other likes this or not. Um, does anybody like to be in the dark and be scared? Like, do you like it? Okay, my wife anti-likes it. Okay, doesn't like it. No bueno. All right, that's Spanish for those of you that... So, it means not good. So, I keep track if she has her phone in her hand. And if she doesn't, and she like walks into the kitchen, our kitchen is kind of a, is a little bit bigger room, and she doesn't have her phone in, and I'm by the light switch, I flip the switch off. Instant, total chaos. Okay, if you're close enough to her, she just starts swinging, and you might get hit. Okay, but all I have to do is I had to like flip that switch off and I can like start scratching the walls and she loses her mind. I'm not, I'm not sure that I really like that either, uh, but it really, really, really scares her. Now, she's relieved when I flip the light switch back on. But in the reverse effect, these shepherds were very comfortable at night. It was at night that they had to stay on guard because that's when the majority of the attacks would come from the different animals trying to eat and kill their sheep. Okay, so they're used to the dark. They have no lights, maybe other than a campfire. And all of a sudden, look at verse 9. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Okay, radiance is a big word. If you want to underline it, underline it. But we're talking pitch black. Pitch black. And all of a sudden, the radiant, the, it says an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. It means it literally went from pitch black to daytime at noon. Okay, brilliance, right? There's a difference. I can, I can guarantee you that I have, you know, you can take a regular mag light flashlight and I can shine it in your eyes. And there is a big difference between looking at that and a 10 million power candled spotlight. It's, or the bat signal, which is cool, okay? I don't have the bat signal, which it did. But anyway, it was, just, it was illuminated everything. It would have, it would, they would have been absolutely, totally blown away and shock the next words where they were terrified. Duh. Okay, that's what Mary does. When it gets dark, she's like, oh. <laughs> but the angel reassured them. Listen, I talked last week about, the, about, about what angels look like. Okay, if you think that they play harps on clouds, you're wrong. Okay, whether these angels are super huge, super big, or they look like Shrek, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is that anytime they appear in Scripture, they have to say, don't be afraid. I think a lot of that is the sheer brilliance. They're coming from the presence of God. In fact, the seraphim along God's throne that we talked about a couple weeks ago, the seraphim that fly around the throne of God literally translates into the, the words fiery ones. They literally glow with fire. I like fire. 
That's going to be cool to see, right? <laughs> their, their only job, by the way, is to worship. That's it. It's the only reason they were created. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I, will bring, you, uh, I bring you good news that will, be, that will bring great joy to all people. Now, I'm going to get kind of serious f- for a second. I, I'm, I'm, I know that I'm kind of serious all the time when I'm, I'm doing this, but I want, I want you to get this. If you underline anything in your Bible, I need you to underline all people. And I'm going to share with you something that is very, very it's difficult for people that live in this country to hear. Okay, you ready? It is not up to you to determine who gets in and stays out of heaven. It is not up to you to determine who or who not you are going to not or, or to share the gospel with. It's not up to you. You don't have that choice. That's not, what, that's not why we're called. When we become a follower of Christ, the, the, Matthew, the, the Great Commission in Matthew says this. You go and you make disciples. You share the gospel. And you make disciples. You baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It says all people. There's a big deal that should be in here this morning because all people included Gentiles. And currently right now, unless I'm totally mistaken, there are no Jewish people here. Without this, those two words, we don't have hope. When he comes here, oh yeah, he comes and it's a beautiful, I love to picture the fact that right after Mary gives birth, it's just her, it's the baby Jesus, and it's Joseph, and that's it. The stillness, the quietness. Can you imagine? Listen, I'm telling you, if I'm Joseph, I'm like, let me see that kid. He's, he's the son of God. Would you not be like, Examine. <laughs> Knowing me, I would do this so incorrectly, but I, w- I would play like he probably like had the, w- the force on Star Wars, and I'd be like, you know, like waving his arm around the sheep, and I'd probably do, <laughs> I'd probably be doing some bad stuff. So that, <laughs> wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> sleep. Baby says sleep. So don't be afraid. The angels come with him with good news that will bring great joy to all people. Right here at the beginning of Jesus' life, the announcement of his birth, he's come to change the system. He's come to not do away with the law. He's coming to fulfill the law so that the new covenant can be established. So great joy to all people. Two weeks ago, if you happen to be here, my buddy BJ was here. And he sat right there. And I literally, he, was, he lived down the, down the hall from me. We went to the same high school. He was two or three years older than me in college. But we didn't hang out with the same people. I was told by multiple people, don't talk to him about God. Why? I mean, you've seen BJ. He's a, he's a pretty good-sized guy. Not to mention in college, you can throw a baseball 93 miles an hour. You don't want to get in between him and an orange. Promise. It's a bad day. <laughs> I saw a guy hit one time. Anyway, so <laughs> I didn't do it. I didn't do it. So, so they tell me, that don't, go, don't go talk to BJ because he doesn't like church. He doesn't want to talk about God. And he was a pretty violent human. He was. And I refused to think that because God saved me, he couldn't save BJ. We begin talking with BJ. Three o'clock one night, BJ gives his life to Christ. We call my mom and dad. 
BJ's my brother. Literally, he's my fraternity brother. He's like a, like a real brother. And he's my brother in Jesus. We're going to spend eternity together. You know why? Because Jesus came for all people. And it doesn't matter what you've done. Well, I've done this, okay? I've done this. I don't care. I do not care if you're, I do not care if you're green. I don't care if you're black or white or yellow or red. I do not care if you're green with like cool pink accents on your skin. I could care less. The fact is that you were created in the image of God and Jesus came for all people. And he said in John 14, 6 that he's the only way to heaven. That's it. There is no being nice. You can change. I did a wedding in Missouri, where we're from, where we went to college. I did a wedding, dearly beloved, stuff like that. I now pronounce you husband and wife, you may kiss your bride, yuck stuff. They walked out. Everybody walked out. I walked out the very last, and the pastor walks out last. There's a, there's a lady in the very back, and she comes up to me, and, I, and it's one of those, like, you're walking by, and she puts her hand out, like, hey, stop. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> it's my chest. <laughs> What's going on? And she goes, I need to ask you a question real quick. Okay? She goes, is that, you just did that wedding. Are they really married? What do you mean? Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I did this wedding in Missouri. Did I fill out the paperwork? I'm like, yes, I did. Everything's okay. They're married. This is what she says. Ready? Well, I just, I just knew you in college, and I, don't, I didn't think that you could, actually, you could actually do that based on what I know of you. Here's a newsflash. You ready? I have a past. That's why I love, I love telling people that I have a past of connection. You know what they say? So... <laughs> And that's a huge deal. It's a big deal. So I begin telling Ruth Ann, by the way, I'm going to be in Fayette this next week with my in-laws for, for Christmas. You can pray that I run into Ruth Ann because Ruth Ann doesn't know anything about Jesus. And I said, Ruth Ann, I didn't do the things I did in college. Um, I didn't do them out of anything else other than selfishness and sin. I said, but I'm telling you right now that I'm not the same person I used to be. Not because I got resaved, but because Jesus made a difference in my life. And I said, I don't have to be defined by my past but this lady literally thought the wedding was null and void because of my past and and then 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 i really shocked her and i said you know what i actually am a pastor no way i said isn't it cool what god can do i bring you good news it's great joy for all people he goes on oh yeah by the way if you came here this morning and you're visiting from another church we're great to, it's great to have you. If you're here with family, that's great. But this is, this is what I hope, if you, if you do go somewhere else, take this back with you. You ready? Listen, uh, the church, the capital C church, the evangelical church of Jesus Christ, okay, should do this. I don't care if you're poor. I don't care if you're rich. I don't care if you um, messed up last week and put diesel in your gas tank. That's not a good idea. I don't care if you have $1,000 in your bank account, you have a million dollars in stocks, or you don't have a penny to your name. It doesn't matter. It does not matter to the effect that you don't need Jesus. I don't care if you intentionally have not replaced the washer fluid in your car for four years. I don't care if you religiously change your oil at 2,999 miles or you just kind of add more whenever it goes out. I don't care if you have headlights that work or headlights that don't work. You should make them work or you can get a ticket for that. I don't care if you... I don't care if you like to cut your grass or not. I do. Anyway, listen... We're, we, we all have a need, and the need is Jesus, and that's it. But here's the deal. I don't want you to get stuck with Will Ferrell. 
dear sweet baby Jesus and your golden fleece diaper. Listen to me. Listen. Do not focus on the baby of Jesus. Because the, the baby doesn't, he comes, he comes. But that's not the one that pays the price. When Jesus comes and is born of Mary, and they start right here in Bethlehem, his eyes are focused on one thing, and that's the cross. If he doesn't go to the cross, he's another kid. If he does not go to the cross, he's another kid. And without being raised from the dead, he is just another kid. But the fact is that you can look in secular history or in here in the Bible, and you can't explain the coincidences away. The resurrected Christ was seen by over 500 people. And, and he ate with them. P.S. Ghosts do not eat except Slimer on Ghostbusters. And nothing stays in them. It just goes right through them. Now, this is, a, this is a huge deal because we can't focus. And that, that, that movie was funny. And oh yeah, this and this. And this. Listen, you cannot focus on Jesus the baby. John 3.17 says, after he says that God sent him, John 3.17 says that God did not send Jesus into the world to judge the world, but to save the world. To save us. He came to save. He came with one goal in mind, being hindered by a, by a physical body. With one goal in mind, one. One, to fulfill the law totally, to fulfill all the prophecies about him, and to give his life. By the way, you can talk with anybody you want to. Jesus wasn't killed on the cross. Man did not kill the Son of God. He gave up his life for you and me. It says that in Scripture. Jesus could have called down legions of angels. The the baby boy that was born literally in a hollowed-out rock cave next to animals and everything else, Came such a humble way. They wanted David, but they got a baby born in a stable. And verse 11 says, The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, but this is the angels, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you'll recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. How did the shepherds go and find him? Here's the deal Jesus is the only baby in Bethlehem that's wrapped in death clothes. The Son of Man, the Son of God, is born and within minutes of his birth is already wrapped up in cloths that would later be put on his body. Now watch this. He was recognized as the Savior of the world when he came into the world, but when he went out of the world after he gave his life, the Bible said that his face was unrecognizable for the price that he paid for our sin on the cross. Verse 12. Wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Okay? The angels say this. The shepherds go look for this. They find this. Now, this is, this is pretty easy. Look at the blanket in your worship handout if you want to fill this out. Oh, the Savior of the world has been born. Awesome. Here's the deal. We celebrate a very... I'm going to really fry your brain. Ready? Christmas, Jesus' birth. It didn't happen in December. And the wise guys, the wise men, they came, they came a couple years later. I know. We talked about this. If you have an activity scene, my aunt got really upset with me the other day. She goes, well, if the, if the wise men weren't there, then why do, we, why do they sell them? I said, I don't know. Maybe they can charge more. I have no idea. I told you that you were not, you were not, you were not going to hell because you put the wise men at the nativity scene. You were not. Just put them on the east side of your yard. That's where they came from just a couple years later. In Matthew, you can read that the wise men came to a house. Okay? 
that's during the reign of King Herod. There's a different time space. I'm telling you, there's intricacies in this book that will blow your mind. Okay? The Savior of the world has been born. That's fine. That's great. Don't leave him there. He was born for one purpose. Look at the next blank. Jesus came for a purpose. What was the purpose? The cross. He came for one purpose. He came to live, to give his life, to live again, so that you and I, who deserve absolute death, hell, torture forever, can have a hope in eternal life. Do you know what happened because I shared the gospel with BJ? I didn't get another crown of my thorn, or crown of my, uh, thorn in my crown. I didn't get another jewel in my crown. I didn't get another sp- special preferential treatment. I did what I was supposed to do. As a result of me, BJ did not become a Christian because of me. BJ may have been influenced to hear the gospel because of me, but it was God. It was God, his Holy Spirit, that we prayed for him. Listen, I'm telling you, if you knew him and you knew me, there is not a chance you would put pastor, churchgoer, or follower of Jesus in the same paragraph as us. But when Jesus came, I received hope. And I don't know about you, but I love hope. (laughs) I like hope because I have been to parts of my life that were hopeless. I didn't have hope for anything. So he goes on, they're having this huge, they, they go and find this, this baby. Look at verse 13. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is well pleased. Hmm. Praising God and saying, I wonder if your worship looks like this. You can walk outside on a gravel parking lot. You can take shoes. You can walk barefoot, whatever your pleasure is. And you can walk over over rocks. They have no choice but to do exactly what God has designed them to do. When they crunch up with one another, they make noise. They have no choice. If you're a bow hunter like me or you like to be in the woods and you see the wind and it blows through the trees... That leaf that it wind's blowing by has no choice but to move. And if it makes noise, it makes noise. It has no choice to mute itself. It can't. And then we come to us, the pinnacle of creation. And we are given the ability and the ability to have a relationship with God. Our lives should ex- just expound with worship. And we literally have the choice to say, no, nah, I'm not going to worship today. Hmm. I tell our church all the time, if you're not from here, you can copy this, take it back to your church. I think it's a big deal. If I took all these screens down, if I set fire to these walls, and if I flooded everything in here and put rotten carcasses all over the place, but this is where we're going to meet for church, and I had this, would it be enough for you to come to church, or would you never step back in here again? If you chose the second one, I would check it right here and right here. This is enough. It has to be enough. It was the only thing in history that was there. This is, the no, this is enough. They were praising. So I wonder, I wonder what does our praise look like? We have the ability to share the gospel freely. We're not, we're not pinned up in fences. We don't get thrown in prison or shot because we share the gospel. Yet we don't. And I know you're like, well, this is, I didn't come here. Oh, I want to sing Silent Night and go home. Okay, fine. That's what these are for. That's later. 
Listen, we, we can celebrate Christmas. One of the most beautiful things, and I highly suggest this. If you have a new family, if you want to start a family, if you want a, fam- a new family tradition, here's the deal. Before next Christmas, you get on Amazon, you order something that's about this long off of, off of Amazon or Hallmark. It's called the Christmas nail. It's the only ornament that me and my family hang together. We all know where it is, but anybody that comes into our house, unless we're showing it to them, nobody knows it's there if they're in our house. You hang this Christmas nail all the way by the trunk of the tree, and you fold or you put ornaments in front of it to where nobody can see in it and see it. But all the, re- all the whole season of Christmas, your ornaments and everything lights and beautiful. Mary went to New York a couple weeks ago, saw the tree at Rockefeller Center in New York. Pretty. The tree at Rockefeller Center doesn't have a Christmas nail by its trunk, I don't think. Ours does. It's to remind us that Jesus, we celebrate his birth, but he came for a reason. And it was on that tree that, by the way, in John 1, 1, he created. That he was going to be put to death on. The angels were joined. Verse 15, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see the thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. If you underline your, the, in your Bible the second word on 16, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. They hurried. Did you hurry to church this morning? Do not tell me if you sped or not. I don't want to know. I wonder how, how quickly we hurry to God's presence. When we wake up in the morning, do we hurry to God's presence? When we wake up in the morning, do we say, God, I got this today. See ya. When we sing in worship, do we, hurry, do we hurry to be in his presence? Do we hurry to, be, to, to know more about his word? Do we hurry to tell other people about Jesus? These guys hurried. They probably ran. By the way, they just left their sheep. Not really a whole lot to eat in town. They just left their sheep. Grazing. Whatever. Verse 17. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. It's not up to you who hears the gospel. It's not up to you who accepts the gospel. You're not called to convince people that's the job of the Holy Spirit. Your job is to preach and to tell about the gospel and what God has done for you. Verse 18, this is why. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Oh, they were astonished at the, sh- at the shepherds? No. No. It was the shepherd's story. It was about the baby. It's all about the baby. And the baby was all about the cross. That's where, it went, that's where it goes. You cannot have Easter without Christmas. You cannot have it. The story that the shepherds told astonished everyone. And all amount of the hustle and the bustle and the commotion and the people. Listen, you ever been in, if you've ever had a kid and you went to the hospital, I'm sure there was nobody there to see you in the waiting room, was there? Listen, I tell people that are getting ready to have, to have kids, listen, I'm probably not going to be at the hospital the first couple days. And I know some people are like, well, I, listen, this is why. I've not known very many people that didn't have too many people at the hospital already. Okay? I'm getting head nods now. <laughs> but it's, it, listen. Amongst all of the commotion, after they left, again, it was probably left to these three again. And it said, you could, preach, you could preach for six months on verse 19. Look at verse 19 with me. It says this, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. This is a mother who just given birth. Yes, to the Savior of the world, but to a baby. And she was pondering 
all the things, how sweet he was, uh, what his cry sounded like. All these different things, a precious moment right here. Instead of saying anything, we see that Mary is not recorded to saying a word. And she kept these things in her heart. This is why. I think that whenever this baby continued to grow up and he would be able to astonish temple teachers at the age of 12 or 13, and he'd be able to grow and grow, and at 30 he started a ministry, it was probably when he was being condemned to die in a fake trial and during his night of, of, uh, of torture and he was put and hung on a cross. When Mary accepted to do God's will, when she said she would be God's servant, she said a lot more than just having a baby. She would watch her son be killed. That's where it goes. In verse 20, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told him. I wonder, whenever you walk out of our church doors, do you stop having church? Church is over. Airplane mode. Henry Jamerson was a man that was from a very, very large town south of Fairfield called Mill Shoals. Henry Jamerson was a guy that attended a Pentecostal church with my grandfather during the Great Depression. My, great grand, or my, my grandfather didn't have any money whatsoever, so his tithe, my, grandma, my great-grandmother and him would go, and they would clean, they would, they, and they would clean everything out, and they would start up the coal stove so everybody would be warm when they got there. But see, during the Great Depression, the only thing that people had in America was God, and that's it. Their worship was great. My grandpa actually told me, he said, I wish you could experience that, but being so spoiled of a generation as you are, I don't think you'll ever see it again, unless God humbles us. God was all that they had. And Henry, Henry Jamerson used to, what my, my grandpa would say, but he, would got, he got excited. And he would get excited in, in, in the, the, the great big town of Millshoals, which is not that big. He would leave the Pentecostal church, and he would walk all the way across town to get to his house. And my grandpa said that when I was a young boy, I remember just standing outside, seeing how far I could hear Henry Jamerson saying, praise his sweet name. I wonder. It's not God that's changed. What's different? Our worship should never stop. Look at the last blank in your worship handout. We should copy the behaviors of the shepherds and the angels. They do one thing and that's it and they do it well. They worship Jesus. We're going to have our, our face down people come. Um, we're going to play a video here in a second. And at our church, we may do, we may do this a little bit different than you. But uh, we're going to take face down or communion, what it's called. And there's going to be a group of people here, one in the back and one over here. And I invite you to this. Number one, uh, God says that, the Bible says that you're to be a follower of Jesus Christ, a Christian. Okay, Somebody that acknowledges they have a relationship with Jesus Christ to take this. We, we do a process called indinction where we break off a piece of bread and we dunk it in the juice. The bread is to represent the body that was broken for us. That was beat, this baby grew up and was beaten beyond recognition. And his life was broken and gave, his body was just smashed for us. Every time he was hit, reminded him of, of sin that we commit. The blood represented by the juice is what we dip the bread into to understand 
that Jesus gave his life and his blood for us. And we're going to play a video here on the screen after I get done praying. Um, and uh, the Bible also says that we shouldn't take communion with an impure heart. So right now, maybe you need to, maybe you need to just ask God to, to forgive you of something. Maybe you need to say, hey, you know what, God, I need to stop not having church after I leave church. Maybe, maybe my life needs to be like this. I need to copy the behaviors of these people. I need to worship more. In this season of life, as we celebrate with face down and we celebrate with some music afterwards, just pray that you're, that you're blessed. And when we have the opportunity to sing, sing, sing. If God wanted you to have a different voice, he would have given you a different voice. He likes yours. Let's pray. God, we love you. We're so blessed and honored to be here today. Thank you, God, for the celebration that we have, Jesus coming into this world. And God, we thank you, Lord, for face down. And we thank you for the songs that we will sing after that. And Lord, we just ask you, uh, let us worship. Uh, Maybe like we haven't worshiped in a long time. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.